feeling like in this fog, like in between contractions, of course I was exhausted. Um, but I heard my doula say, breathe your baby out, breathe your baby out. And that was what I kept trying to tell myself. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Has your perception of an event ever changed after a period of time? If so, how did that impact your future decision-making? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to this week's episode of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking with Bree Darby. Bree is a mama of two girls, four years and three months, and a bonus mom of one boy who's 11. She is a working, stay-at-home mom in the suburbs of Philadelphia who spends her time outside of work exercising, enjoying the outdoors, or spending time with her family. After a hospital birth filled with interventions, she was determined to have the undisturbed, unmedicated birth that she had longed for with her first, and she knew that home birth was the way to get that. Throughout pregnancy, Brie overcame the struggle of harnessing her power to overcome the fear of home birth through education and exercise. Okay, let's jump into this week's episode. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And the show is not medical advice. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Brie, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. Would you mind taking just a moment to introduce yourself and your family to the listeners? Sure. My name's Bree. I'm a working mom of three. I have a four-year-old girl, um, Palmer, and a three-month-old, Lilith, um, and a bonus son who is 11. Amazing. That is such a beautiful family. So I'm really curious to hear, I know that before we started this interview, you had told me that your first birth really impacted you and was what spurred you on to change things for your second birth. So I'm excited to hear these two stories, to hear how all of this unfolded, the changes that you made. Before that, do you want to give us kind of the lay of the land of what your first pregnancy was like, what was going on during that time as we get started? Sure. Um, so as I mentioned, my first daughter is four. Um, I got pregnant with her. Um, we were kind of planning, kind of not, just seeing how things would go. Um, and we got pregnant pretty quickly, I would say, probably the second month of coming off birth control. Um so we were really excited about that. Um, we were living in the city of Philadelphia at the time. Um, so we had lots of good hospitals around. Um, I was super excited. I think I did everything with the standard first time mom in the United States does. Um, went to all of my prenatal appointments. Um, as I mentioned, I went to a really good hospital. Um, Things were great. It was a pretty normal pregnancy. I felt good. I didn't have any morning sickness. Um, I actually kind of lived um, outside of Center City. So I would take public transportation into the city and everything went really great. My first pregnancy, I thought it was pretty easy. Um, 
and then 40 weeks rolled around. Um, and I had the idea that I would go unmedicated in the hospital. Um, I don't think I prepared myself enough for how to cope as far as, um, pain management. Uh, I just kind of had the idea that we'll see what happens. I have a pretty high pain tolerance. We'll see where that takes us type of thing. Um, I don't think I did enough like education around it besides listening to a couple podcasts here and there. Um, so 40 weeks rolled around and I went in for a membrane sweep. Um, I wasn't really quite aware at the time that that was a form of induction technically. And um, it seemed to kind of get things going. I think at 40 plus two, I ended up waking up in the morning with some contractions. Um, I did, as they said, they were like, okay, when it gets to the contractions are this long, uh, this far apart, you should come in. Um, and being a first time mom, I wasn't really sure how labor would go, how long it would really last, or I wasn't sure at what point that they were become um, unmanageable at home. So I followed protocols. I went into the hospital and turns out I was only maybe two centimeters. Um, so they deemed it as prodromal labor. Um, as I said, we kind of lived outside of Center City and the hospital was in Center City. So we had to take a busy highway. Um, and I was nervous that if I went home, I would get stuck in traffic. I would have to like come back. I, I was terrified of having my daughter on the highway. Um, so I was like, okay, well, let's stick around the hospital. I did a couple laps around the hallway. Um, they kind of went to see how things progressed that way. Um, they didn't. <laughs> so they were pretty much like, you're already here. How, what, what do you say we can induce you? And, um, I wanted to avoid interventions as much as possible. And they kind of talked talked me through my options and they told me what a Foley bulb was. Um, and in my mind, I was like, well, it's, it's not medication. So we'll see like how that goes. Um, I ended up, they then admitted me. Um, I got a Foley bulb and then things kind of went from there. Um, didn't quite progress as much as they wanted to. So then they gave me Cervidil. Um, <clears throat> and then both of those didn't work together. So it was seemed like it was like this rolling snowball of interventions and things I didn't want to do. And at that point, I was really, really uncomfortable. Um, looking back now, I think having to go through those was more uncomfortable than my second labor, which was unmedicated. Um, but it ended up being a 31-hour labor. Um, I ended up getting an epidural because the induction was really uncomfortable. Um, baby and I, Palmer, um, we both ended up catching an infection during labor. Um, and I don't know if it was because of cervical checks or just long labor or, or what. Um, so then once she was born, she, we, Labor I then ended up progressing. Um, it was fine. Um, normal vaginal labor. Um, we ended up having to get medication then and IVs and stuff like that for the infection. But she was a happy, healthy baby. So I was happy at the time. I didn't 
feel like any kind of like trauma or anything like anything like that. Um, but once I kind of got out of baby land and um, I was now in this world of motherhood and I started to see things on my Instagram feed, my Facebook feed. Um, I started listening to more podcasts and I started to learn more. My eyes kind of opened up to, oh, this wasn't okay. And I should have listened to my gut and maybe I should have done more research and prepared myself a little bit more. Um, so after she was born, I, I knew at that point that I wanted things to be different if I were to have another baby. Mm, yep. I do feel like sometimes because there's so much going on postpartum, it's, it's hard to process everything that's happened. And then on top of that, our society deems what you experienced as totally normal. Like what's wrong with what you experience? This is the way that it is not recognizing or acknowledging the depth of this transition and the sacredness of this transition into motherhood and all of the subliminal messages that we receive as we go through this process. Um, so yeah, it, I, I hear that completely and understand how it's like, yeah, I didn't feel it right in the moment. It was kind of later that I realized, oh, <laughs> wow, there was a lot, a lot of things that happened that I'm not so sure that I agree to. Um, so yeah, that, that completely makes sense. And I'm curious to hear. So in the meantime, so you, you have your baby, you have Palmer. And then when did this kind of unfurling uh, and you kind of retracing your birth experience happen? Was it pretty soon after, or was it a few years later? Um, I think it was a few years later. Um, I guess I, like I said, I started to become more aware of um, just different like birth stories. Um, I, I felt very tied to, wow, I had this really, really long labor. Um, and yes, long labors um, are natural. It happens, um, especially for first time moms, but it something didn't feel natural about it. And I was like, I wonder how things would have been if I hadn't gone through that whole snowball effect of interventions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of started to reach out more and I was l- interested in hearing other mothers' birth stories. Um, so I just, I started to self-educate a little bit more. Um, I, like I said, once I became a mother, I think I felt this like different kind of interest in birth stories. So I enjoyed listening to mothers tell their stories. And um, so I think it was a couple years after, um, once I started to become more interested in having another baby, which of course, then you hear these stories and that gives you baby fever and you want to experience it again. And I wanted to have those experiences for myself. Um, and we weren't really necessarily in the um, position to be trying for another baby um, until I got pregnant with um, my now three-month-old. So, mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm curious to hear what that was like. So you have kind of, you've been unraveling your previous birth experience and then you are deciding to become pregnant again. So how did you enter this uh, conception phase and your, and your pregnancy? Yeah. Um, I mean, as, as I mentioned, I kind of started surrounding myself more with babies and I was 
itching for another baby. I was excited to experience pregnancy again. Um, and we got very lucky. Um, we weren't really trying, but I agreed it would be nice to have another baby. We ended up conceiving on the first try. Um, so it was a very pleasant surprise. Um, and then I caught COVID for the first time. <laughs> so I went two years uh, through the pandemic without catching it. And then um, I actually had COVID before I even knew I was pregnant. Um, so I spent five days quarantined in my bedroom, um, away from my family. My husband took over all of the parenting duties. Um, and I felt really good during COVID. I ended up was like exercising, doing yoga and some light weights in my tiny bedroom by the end of my five day quarantine. Um, and then once quarantine was over, I, my first night out, I was like, I'm going to read my book, enjoy a glass of wine. Uh, since I was feeling better, I poured my glass of wine and I was like, Oh, this doesn't taste good. Um, and I was like, maybe it was a bad bottle. I end up dumping it out. Um, next night rolls around. I cracked a beer while I was cooking dinner and I was like, this doesn't taste good. And I, I'm a big craft beer drinker. So I was like, something has to be up. And then I remembered <laughs> something is amiss here. <laughs> yes. And then I remembered I had the same problem when I found out I was pregnant with my first. Um, <laughs> so next day, poured the beer out. <laughs> next day, I uh, took a test first thing in the morning. And it was one of those cheap little Amazon tests I bought like in bulk. Mm -hmm. um, and sure enough, there's a faint line on it. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I should have known. Um, <laughs> um, so that kind of went through a couple mornings of retesting because it was pretty faint. It was really early. Um, I think it was right around four weeks. Um, so then they started to get darker. I eventually took a first response and it was a big positive. Um, sorry. Um, so then I told my husband he had like the normal are you kidding me? Reaction. Um, <laughs> and we were excited. Um, so again, it happened like pretty quickly. Um, I wasn't expecting it to happen that quickly. Um, so shortly after finding out, um, we went on vacation with my family. So my parents, my sister, my brother-in-law, um, and my sister had just recently found out she was pregnant. Um, she was, she went through a couple rounds of IVF, so she knew exactly how far along she was. She was six weeks or so, um, or maybe a little bit further along at that point. We were six weeks apart, um, our whole pregnancy, which was really special. Um, but we showed up to vacation. I had my kids, my stepson and my daughter in big brother, big sister shirts, and my parents were excited. Um... So it was a pretty blissful first trimester. Um, I had some moderate amount of morning sickness, but nothing too crazy. When I found out, it was pretty early. So I started doing some research for some OBs in my area. Um, 
at this point I had moved to the suburbs and I didn't have a, a doctor that I was going to. So I'm about 20 minutes away from all of the nearest hospitals either way. Um, so I started doing some research on where I should go. Um, I was looking into midwives and birth centers because um, I knew I wanted a better experience than last time. Um, but I didn't want to jump into that decision, right? So I made an appointment with a local OB to get my first ultrasound on the books just to confirm the pregnancy. Um, I ended up going in for an early ultrasound at around seven weeks because um, I had some spotting and it wasn't something I was used to. I didn't have any issues like that for my first pregnancy. Um, all was okay. And then I ended up going to my first prenatal appointment at eight weeks um, to confirm the pregnancy again, my typical schedule. Um, and I remember feeling a little angry, I guess, <laughs> during my first appointment. Um, it was a very like textbook doctor experience where I didn't feel very special in their office. I didn't feel like they were very caring, particularly. Um, the nurse actually took out this, like, it looks like a cardboard wheel from the 90s to track when my due date would be based on conception. And I had to stop her at one point. I said, well, that's not right because my cycles were 32 days long, not 28. So that does impact the estimated due date pretty by a couple days. And I walked out of there pretty angry and my husband didn't quite understand. And I had to explain to him that um, by the DJ being off by that much, a provider could then try to persuade me into induction or could lead into those interventions again. Or And then I later found out that this provider has the highest C-section rate in the tri-state area, area um, tri-county area. So... I was like, I can't, I don't feel good about this one. Mm -hmm. um, so I really started to hone in my research on midwives in the area. Um, unfortunately, where I'm at in Pennsylvania, there aren't too, too many in the suburbs. Um, and I know it differs from state to state, but um, we had a birth center that was about half an hour away. I was a little wary about that because well, again, I was terrified of having my baby on the highway. Um, God forbid there was traffic or something. Um, so I did some more research on midwives who would come to my home for a home birth, which felt a little bit more comfortable for me. Um, so kind of continued through my first trimester doing that. Um, and I had learned about a midwife shortly after. After my first pregnancy, um, I went to their office for a lactation support group, and that's kind of how I was introduced to them. And I loved what they stood for. I loved the community they have built. Um, so I was pretty sold on using them as my midwife. Um, but I still had to convince my husband. Um of why a home birth was so much more beneficial than a hospital at this point, um, personally for me. Um, so we did end up going with that midwife who was also licensed at a local hospital. So um, God forbid something were to happen or I decided at the end of my pregnancy that a home birth wasn't for me. 
we were still able to go through with using this midwife. Um, and I felt comfortable because I was able to see them through the entirety of my pregnancy and have this one-on-one care. Whereas with my previous pregnancy, as I mentioned, I was at a large hospital. I saw a rotation of providers who I never even saw during labor then. Um, so I was really excited and really happy about my decision with landing on this midwife. Um, and that kind of leads us into like the second trimester. Everything went as planned. Um, it was a pretty healthy pregnancy. Um, I did a lot more education on how to prepare myself for keeping this baby healthy. Since I wasn't a first time mom, I was kind of out of that newness of focusing on the registry and the nursery and that kind of stuff and really wanted to prioritize my health and my self-care and making sure my body was prepared for this baby, um, which I felt like I lacked a lot of that in my first pregnancy. I'm curious, what did that look like for you? Like prioritizing those things, was there anything that was like extremely beneficial to you in terms of taking care of yourself or any type of health aspects? Yeah, I think I really tried to prioritize exercise um, as much as I was exhausted in pregnancy, especially um, chasing around a three-year-old at the time. Um, it can be really exhausting, but I wanted to make sure I just still moved my body. I wanted to keep my my heart rate down. I wanted to be able to know that my body was going to be able to go through labor and withstand all of that work. Mm. Um, so I did a lot of cycling classes. I did a lot of strength training. Um, towards the end of my pregnancy, I mixed in some yoga. I did a lot of walking. Um, so really mixing up my exercise routine um, and just really focusing on how to keep my body healthy. Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned, my sister was pregnant at the same time and she ended up getting gestational diabetes. Um, so that was one thing that I don't feel like I really focused on my first pregnancy. And now because I, it was so close to home, I was like, oh, I had this like focus now. I'm like, well, what if I'm not eating the right stuff? What if, and I know a lot of times there's no rhyme or reason why women get it. Um, but that's one thing that I was focusing on. I ended up failing my first glucose test. Had to do the dreaded three-hour test. Um, everything came out fine, um, which was a relief to know that I can still continue eating what I needed to, feeling my body the way I needed to, because um, everyone loves carbs when they're pregnant. Um, <laughs> um, so everything continued great. Um, one thing that I was not used to with this pregnancy was that my baby was super active. Um, my first pregnancy, I had an anterior placenta, so I didn't feel her moving around as much. Um, and this time I did. Um, so 
when we were going in to get her checked, she sometimes was breached, sometimes was head down, sometimes she was sideways with the foot sticking out my side. Um, uh, so it was one thing that we kind of kept an eye on. Um, you know, babies can kind of change positions a lot up until birth, but it was one thing that I wanted to make sure of is that she was in position. Um, my midwife did not deliver breech babies. So um, one thing that I really need to be sure of was I wanted to make sure my hips were opened up. There was no tightness down there. Um, so I went to chiropract- a chiropractor um, starting in third trimester. Um, I did a lot of stretching and preparing my body and make sure and encouraging her to move and doing the spinning baby stuff just to encourage her to be head down. And um, at this point, I was really, really set on doing a home birth. Um, And I didn't want to let anything get in the way of that. I was a little nervous about, well, first it was gestational diabetes. I was like, well, how would that affect home birth? How would... Um, a breech baby affect home birth. And then um, even towards the end, when they check for groupy stress, how would that affect home birth? Um, so I had all these factors going through my head that I hadn't thought about before with my first pregnancy. Um, just, I really wanted to ensure that this birth went the way I wanted it to go. Um, so I felt pretty good the third trimester. Um, my midwife ended up continuing to check baby's position. Um, we were cleared for home birth at 37 weeks. So I got the pool, uh, the birth supplies. Um, I really wanted to do a water birth. I felt like that was um, a good way for me to kind of cope with the pain. Um, I did hire a doula uh, just because I wasn't really sure of different positionings to help pain management during labor, um, aside from the pool. And being that my first labor was so long, I was nervous that what if this one is just as long, except I'm at home. Um, so I wanted to be fully equipped on how to manage that pain, um, in or out of the pool. Mm -hmm. Um, So I continued doing um, cycling and strength workouts up until 40 weeks. I actually did a workout on my due date um, and continued with stretching and yoga um, and some breathing exercises. Um, one thing one thing that I was a little unsure about my whole pregnancy was um, – I saw like on Instagram and from other birth stories that women have a lot of um, like motivational uh, quotes, things that kind of help them. They hang them in their, in their birthing room. Um, um, I know a lot of women turn to scripture, um, things like that. And that's one thing that I'm not really into. I don't feel it gets me in the right mindset. Um, but one thing that I did find was knowing what my body is doing. So I liked educating myself on what's happening in the womb during labor. And I guess kind of picturing what what is happening when it's happening. So I focus a lot on that mind-body connection, which is how I feel exercise has helped me too, is really focusing on 
what is my body doing right now? Um, Because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this without those inspiration cards. Like, I don't know how that's going to help me. Um, So instead, I kind of shifted my focus on, okay, so what is happening now? Um, And really knowing how to move my body to help the bait guide the baby down the birth canal and um, more from the scientific aspect of it. I love that. I think that helps a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Just knowing exactly what the baby is doing and what Mm -hmm. I can do to help assist that. And um, so that's really what I focused on towards the end of my pregnancy and educating myself on is not just birthing positions, but how the baby comes out. And if the baby, if I feel the baby is stuck in one way, how can I shift my positions during whatever stage of labor I'm in to kind of assist that, whether it's um, moving my knees in or out, depending on what stage of labor it is, um, those sort of things. So that's one thing that I can <laughs> I consumed a lot of towards the end of my pregnancy and it took up a lot of time in my, in educating myself. Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts, um, including the happy home birth. Um, and I followed a lot of educational, um, profiles on Instagram. I felt like visuals were really helpful for me. So really just, sourcing all of this information from wherever I can and just collecting it all. Um, So that was, that took up a lot of the end of my pregnancy. Um, And then 40 weeks rolled around um, and no sign of baby. (laughs) So I was starting to get a little nervous. Um, I ended up asking my midwife, what happens if I get to 40 weeks? Um, what do you do? Um, because being licensed through a hospital, they still have to follow certain protocols um, since they're not an independent uh, provider. So they said, well, 40 weeks rolls around, we can start doing some natural inductions. Um, so whether that's the mild circuit or um, the dreaded castor oil or any of those things I can do from home before we had to turn to a hospital. And again, this, I had this looming fear of, well, what's going to stop me from having a home birth? So 40 weeks rolled around. Um, and then went a couple days, still no movement. Um, I guess sh- just shy of 41 weeks, I woke up in the morning with minor contractions. Um, they were in a pattern, um, pretty moderate, um, 40 to 60 seconds long, about four to six minutes apart. Um, I was like, oh, this is it. This is, I worked right up until I worked from home. So I worked right up until, um, labor pretty much. Um, I told my team, I said, I think today might be baby day. Um, and Throughout the day, I just spent some time with my daughter and my husband, um, but contractions never picked up. Um, probably by afternoon, they actually died down, and by dinner time, they were gone. 
Uh, so I did a lot of bouncing on the birth ball and trying to get things going. But my, my doula was like, take it easy. It can last a couple days. Um, and it, baby will come out when baby is ready. Mm, I love that advice. Yeah. It's hard to take sometimes, <laughs> but it is good advice. <laughs> it was so mentally tolling mm-hmm. to go through contractions almost all day and then come late afternoon dinner time they're just gone um yeah. it was excitement and nerves and i guess like disappointment because i was ready to meet my baby um and then like i said things died down i spent the night with my daughter we watched a movie um everything went normal we ate dinner went to bed and then I ended up waking up around 3, 3 a.m. with some discomfort. I wasn't, didn't think I was in labor. I was just uncomfortable in bed. I was very pregnant. Um, and so I moved downstairs to the couch where I could hopefully get some rest sitting up. Because um, I found that when I was laying on my side, I would have, I would experience a contraction or two. Uh, but just on my side. So I didn't think it was anything that was going to progress. So I um, decided to spend some time on my couch. Um, I felt really good when I was like, I really wanted to sleep on my belly. Obviously we can't at 41 weeks. Um, So I ended up propping myself up on a stack of pillows and just like leaning forward on it. Um, I was like, Oh, this is nice. I put some like music on in the background thinking I would doze off until morning. Um, And then contractions started to pick up around 5 a.m. Um, and again, I didn't really think anything of it because it felt the same as they were the morning before. I just thought it was kind of prodroma later, labor, my body getting ready. Um, and then they started increasing in intensity and forming a pattern. Um, so I found myself pacing my living room. I put on Grey's Anatomy and I was like, I guess I'm just going to do this for as long as I can. Um, So contractions started to pick up then. It was to the point where sitting on the birth ball didn't feel good. Sitting down did not feel good. I had to be moving. And I was like, okay, this is probably it because this doesn't, my body is clearly telling me what I need to be doing right now. And I don't really have control over what feels good and what doesn't. Um, So I thought maybe I'll get in the shower, see how that feels. Um, So I got in the shower uh, around 5, 5.30. And around 6, I got out and contractions were lasting for a minute, about three minutes apart. And I had my bloody show. So I was like, okay, hopefully this is it. Um, And I called my midwife and my doula around 6.20, And after that, things really started to get intense. Um, My husband was trying to talk to me and I put the hand up. I said, I can't talk right now. Um, So I knew things were getting serious. Um, So he kind of rushed around to get my daughter out of the house. Um, We planned on having her there for the birth. Um, But as things got more intense, I was like, I don't quite feel comfortable with this. Um, I didn't want her to be scared. She's only four. Um, 
and I wanted to make sure that my body was comfortable and I was able to really like relax into labor. Um, so he kind of rushed around and got her together to, to leave. Um, she was going to my stepson's mom's house. We are really close in the same neighborhood. So it was nice to have a resource there for when we went into labor. Um, and my midwife is about half an hour away from my house. So I had an idea of how long it would take for them to get here. Um, I continued to just lay on my birth ball until someone got here. Um, I felt like I was in this limbo of just like waiting and waiting and waiting. And it just felt like time went so slow in the next half an hour. Um, and my husband was kind of one in that situation where he he wasn't sure what to do. He wasn't sure how to support me. But I also knew that, again, I just need to trust my body and kind of think about what my body was doing in the moment. Um, I didn't want him touching me or talking to me. Um, I wanted to really focus on the contractions, the waves. Um, and... I, these contractions didn't feel like they did with my first. Um, I had a lot of back labor with my first and it was very uncomfortable. But with these contractions, I was able to feel that wave that they talk about, the intensity peaking and then dropping. And it was nice to be able to like put the education that I learned of like what to expect into, okay, this is happening. And to know that at the end of this peak, it's going to be okay. I'm going to feel better in just, just a couple seconds. Got to ride through this. Um, my body did not want anything other than being on my hands and my knees. Um, so whether that was on all fours or leaning on the birth ball, um, that's what felt good for me. I paced in between contractions because that's my body told me to do. Um, so I just listened to what felt good for me. Um, and then my midwife arrived around 7.15, I would say. And it was almost like my body kicked it into high gear then. It was like, okay, you can do this. Like I, something mentally in me just relaxed knowing that I was almost like safe with them there. Um, and that's when my body like let it do its thing. Um, it's kind of amazing how our bodies do that, that feeling of safety and security and the way that that just allows everything to just begin to progress. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what it was. I think being home in that environment too was just I didn't have to scramble to get out of the house. Um, there was no fear of having my baby on the highway. Um, and when my midwife arrived, um, I think that's when I started to progress into active labor. Um, I started to feel a lot of pressure already and I was like, this can't, it can't be, can't be happening this quickly. Um, <laughs> so my midwife arrived and they started to get the pool set up with my husband. Um, and I continued to labor in my bedroom on my birth ball. Um, and the pool filled up about 15 minutes and I went to get in it as quickly as possible. Um, <laughs> and they started to fill it up, filled it pretty quickly, but 
they were like, I want, I said, I want the hottest water. I just want to get in it. They continued to fill it as I was getting in because I did not want to wait any longer. Um, I was nervous because we set up the pool in my daughter's room. Um, we had some fairy lights. It was very peaceful. The crib was in there. So I felt like it was like the perfect little pool environment. Um, but I was nervous about the transition from my bedroom into the other bedroom because I was in the zone. Um, but my midwife helped me in there. Um, I'm pretty small. So climbing into the tub itself was a feat. Um, (laughs) and then, so I got in the pool around, uh, 7.30 and my doula arrived around 7.45. Um, and I think that is when I started to get into, move into transition. Um, I felt, like I mentioned, I felt a lot of pressure really early on. Um, and my midwife said, just let your body do it. If you feel the need to push, you push. Um, it was really such a change from my first birth. Um, you know, in the hospital, they do a lot of guided pushing. Um, so I wasn't sure what to expect from my body with this one. Um, so I got in the pool and again, my body still wanted to be on hands and knees. I didn't want to sit down. I couldn't do anything else. I just wanted to be bent over. Um, it's just what my body needed. Um, and then I guess it was probably closer to eight o'clock. Um, around eight o'clock, I felt the need to push. Um, and my baby was born at eight Oh seven after three pushes. Um, wow. so I remember feeling like in this fog, like in between contractions, of course I was exhausted. Um, but I heard my doula say, breathe your baby out breathe your baby out. And that was what I kept trying to tell myself during the very short time that I felt like I needed to push. Um, it's just to relax my body and remember that my body knows how to do this. Um, and after three pushes, she was here. It's hmm. amazing. Wow. I'm curious with your previous, I can't remember if you mentioned how long did you push with, with Palmer? Uh, I pushed for 15 minutes with my first. Um, so still a, not a very long time, um, mm-hmm. which I was thankful for. I did tear with my first. Um, so that's something I was trying to be really mindful of with my second. Um, and I think being in that hands and knees position and just listening to what my body needed was beneficial and that, and really breathing my baby out and not doing that forced pushing, I think really helps just to guide things out the way it needed to happen and not, um, not forcing her out. Um, I had no tears this time around. And, um, so we sat, we sat in the pool for a couple minutes. Um, I ended up getting out to deliver the placenta. So, um, I got out of the pool with my baby and my midwife and doula and the midwife assistants had me wrapped in towels and we waddled over to my bedroom. Um, and it was just so nice to be able to get into my own bed. Um, 
and have my baby on my chest um, and deliver the placenta. It was a breeze compared to pregnancy or um, my first pregnancy when you're in the hospital and there's doctors rushing around and crowding you around the hospital bed and just really cherishing that time with my new baby was so special. Mm, That is incredible. And what, how did you feel postpartum this time around as well? Or how are you feeling since (laughs) you are still definitely fresh postpartum? Um, Postpartum was definitely much easier this time around than in the hospital um, with my first. Um, As you mentioned, my first, I had an epidural. So getting up out of bed after an epidural was terrifying. Um, And this time it was, obviously you're in pain after you give birth to a baby, but it was fairly easy. Um, I felt comfortable walking around. Of course, my bedroom's on the second floor. So my midwife is was telling me, stay upstairs for three days, um, stay, in, stay in bed for as long as possible. Um, so my husband was bringing me meals in bed and I just soaked in the newborn cuddles, but um, I was ready to be up and about in a couple days. And I felt really good. Um, obviously chasing a, a four-year-old while being postpartum is always fun. Um, but in general, I felt so much better after a home birth than I did after my hospital birth. Mm, That's amazing. Bree, what a difference, like what a big change that you experienced. And it's so encouraging to hear how it, how it went for you. Um, do you have any thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners here as we wrap up if there is, you know, I know that you mentioned you were a bit tentative at this idea of switching to giving birth at home. What if there's another mom out there that's feeling that way? What, what do you recommend to her? Um, I think what really helped me was just learning as much as possible, the good, the bad, listening to birth stories. Um, and like I mentioned, I think knowing what the body is doing and that your body is fully capable of having an undisturbed birth um, is so beneficial to your mindset during labor. Um, Like I said, in that last little bit, I just had to keep thinking my body's meant to do this. Mm -hmm. Just need to breathe and my baby will come out. Um, I think just really educating yourself and preparing. I think preparation is key. I made a mistake with my first just going with the flow where I felt really comfortable by the end of my pregnancy this time that I was able to do this. Mm, incredible. Wow. Thank you so much, Bree. It has been such a joy to have you on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. How cool was that? Hearing mothers gain education and make new choices never gets old to me. As we head into this week's episode roundup, one big thought is coming to my mind. Sometimes our perception of an experience may change with time. When Brie had her first daughter, she didn't consider her care to be anything but normal. However, as time passed and she gained education, she realized that there were aspects of her care that she no longer appreciated. If this is you, I want to remind you that this is totally okay. 
And we have the option to gain new information, recognize that we would do things differently next time, and yet not condemn ourselves for previous decisions or think, wow, if only I had done XYZ instead. We are all learning and growing, and as we do that, our opinions and choices may very well change. Let's embrace that and move forward with confidence, just like Brie. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.